Chapter 13 of Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War, by Various. Chapter 13, Peace. The surrender of Lee at Appomattox virtually ended the war. The only considerable Confederate force left in the field was that under the command of Johnston, and it surrendered to Sherman on April 26, 1865. Stack Arms by Joseph Blinth Austin Stack Arms, I've gladly heard the cry when, weary with the dusty tread of marching troops, as night drew nigh, I sank upon my soldier bed, and calmly slept, the starry dome of heaven's blue arch my canopy, and mingled with my dream of home the thoughts of peace and liberty. Stack arms! I've heard it when the shout exulting ran along our line, of foes hurled back in bloody rout, captured, dispersed, its tones divine then came to my enraptured ear. Guerdon of duty nobly done, And glistened on my cheek a tear Of grateful joy for victory won. Stack arms. In faltering accents, slow and sad, It creeps from tongue to tongue, A broken, murmuring wail of woe From manly hearts by anguish wrung, like victims of a midnight dream, we move, we know not how nor why, for life and hope like phantoms seem, and it would be relief to die. Jefferson Davis, who had fled from Richmond, was captured on May 11, 1865, near the Okmulgee River in Georgia, and on May 26th, when Kirby Smith formally surrendered, the last vestige of armed resistance to national government disappeared. Davis was confined at Fortress Monroe until 1868, the South, of course, considering him a martyr. Jefferson Davis by Walker Merriweather Bell Our hearts, our hopes, our prayers, our tears, our faith triumphant o'er our fears, are all with thee, are all with thee. Longfellow Calm martyr of a noble cause, Upon thy form in vain The dungeon shuts its cankered jaws And clasps its cankered chain. For thy free spirit walks abroad And every pulse is stirred With the old deathless glory thrill Whene'er thy name is heard. The same that lit each Grecian eye, Whene'er it rested on the wild pass of Thermophilae, The plain of Marathon, And made the Romans' ancient blood bound fiercely as he told How well Horatio kept the bridge in the brave days of old. The same that makes the Switzer's heart with silent rapture swell when in each alpine height he sees a monument to tell, the same that kindles Irish veins 
when Emmet's name is told, what Bruce to Caledonia is, Kosciasko to the pole, art thou to us, thy deathless fame, with Washington entwined, forever in each southern heart is hallowed and enshrined. And though the tyrant give thy form to shameful death, twere vain, it would be shed a splendor round, the gibbet and the chain. Only less sacred in our eyes, thus blessed and purified, than the dear cross on which our Lord was shamed and crucified, would the vile gallows tree become, and through all ages shine, linked with the glory of thy name, a relic and a shrine. It was for the South a sad awakening from the dream which had been so entrancing and which seemed so certain to come true. The land was ravaged, their people were ruined, their best and bravest dead. In the Land Where We Were Dreaming by Daniel B. Lucas Fair were our visions. Oh, they were as grand as ever floated out of fairyland. Children were we in single faith, but godlike children, whom no death nor threat nor danger drove from honor's path in the land where we were dreaming. Proud were our men, as pride of birth could render, as violets our women pure and tender, and when they spoke, their voices did thrill until at eve the whippoorwill, at morn the mockingbird, were mute and still in the land where we were dreaming. And we had graves that covered more of glory than ever tracked tradition's ancient story. And in our dream we wove the thread of principles for which had bled and suffered long our own immortal dead in the land where we were dreaming. Though in our land we had both bond and free, both were content, and so God let them be, till envy coveted our land, and those fair fields our valor won. But little reckoned we, for we still slept on, in the land where we were dreaming. Our sleep grew troubled, and our dreams grew wild. Red meteors flashed across our heaven's field. Crimson the moon, between the twins barbed arrows fly, and then begins such strife as when disorder's chaos reigns in the land where we were dreaming. Down from her sunlit heights smiled liberty and waved her cap in sign of victory. The world approved, and everywhere, except where growled the Russian bear, the good, the brave, the just gave us their prayer in the land where we were dreaming. We fancied that a government was ours. We challenged place among the world's great powers. We talked in sleep of rank, commission, until so lifelike grew our vision that he who dared to doubt but met derision in the land where we were dreaming. We looked on high. A banner there was seen, whose field was blanched and spotless in its sheen. Chivalry's cross its union bears, and veterans swearing by their scars vowed they would bring it through a hundred wars in the land where we were dreaming. A hero came amongst us as we slept. At first he lowly knelt, then rose and wept. 
Then gathering up a thousand spears, he swept across the field of Mars, then bowed farewell and walked beyond the stars, in the land where we were dreaming. We looked again. Another figure still gave hope, and nerved each individual will, full of grandeur, clothed with powder, self-poised, erect. He ruled the hour, with stern, majestic sway, a strength of tower, in the land where we were dreaming. And, while great Jove, in bronze, a warder god, gazed eastward from the forum where he stood, Rome felt herself secure and free. So, Richmond's safe, we said, while we beheld a bronzed hero, godlike thee, in the land where we were dreaming. As wakes the soldier when the alarum calls, as wakes the mother when the infant falls, as starts the traveler when around his sleeping couch the fire-bells sound, so woke our nation with a single bound in the land where we were dreaming. Woe, woe is me, the startled mother cried, while we have slept our noble sons have died. Woe, woe is me, how strange and sad that all our glorious visions fled and left us nothing real but the dead in the land where we were dreaming. Acceptation by Margaret Junkin Preston 1. We do accept thee, heavenly peace, albeit thou comest in a guise unlooked for, undesired. Our eyes welcome through tears the sweet release from war and woe and want. Surcease, for which we bless thee, blessed peace. 2. We lift our foreheads from the dust, and as we meet thy brow's clear calm, there falls a freshening sense of balm upon our spirits. Fear, distrust, the hopeless present on us thrust, we'll meet them as we can and must. 3. War has not wholly wrecked us, Still strong hands, brave hearts, high souls are ours. Proud consciousness of quenchless powers, a past whose memory makes us thrill, futures uncharactered, to fill with heroisms, if we will. 4. Then courage, brothers. Though each breast feel oft the rankling thorn, despair, that failure plants so sharply there. No pain, no pang shall be confessed. We'll work and watch the brightening west, and leave to God and heaven the rest. The Conquered Banner by Abram J. Ryan Furl that banner, for tis weary, Round its staff tis drooping dreary. Furl it, fold it, it is best. For there's not a man to wave it, And there's not a sword to save it, And there's not one left to lave it In the blood which heroes gave it. And its foes now scorn and brave it. Furl it, hide it, 
let it rest. Take that banner down, tis tattered, broken is its staff and shattered, and the valiant hosts are scattered over whom it floated high. Oh, tis hard for us to fold it, hard to think there's none to hold it, hard that those who once unrolled it now must furl it with a sigh. Furl that banner, furl it sadly. Once ten thousands hailed it gladly, and ten thousands wildly, madly swore it should forever wave, swore that foeman's sword should never hearts like theirs entwined dissever, and that flag should float forever o'er their freedom or their grave. Furl it, for the hands that grasped it, and the hearts that fondly clasped it, cold and dead are lying low, and that banner, it is trailing, while around it sounds the wailing of its people in their woe. For, though conquered, they adore it, love the cold, dead hands that bore it, weep for those who fell before it, pardon those who trailed and tore it, but, oh, wildly they deplore it, now who furl and fold it so. Furl that banner, tis true gory, yet tis wreathed around with glory, and twill live in song and story, though its folds are in the dust. For its fame on brightest pages, penned by poets and by sages, shall go sounding down the ages, furl its folds, though now we must. Furl that banner, softly, slowly, treat it gently, it is holy, for it droops above the dead, touch it not, unfold it never, let it droop there, furled forever, for its people's hopes are fled. At the North, too, peace was welcomed. The North, while suffering less poignantly than the South, had drunk deeply of the bitter cup. It had lost over 350,000 men. Peace by Adeline D.T. Whitney Daybreak upon the hills Slowly, behind the midnight murk And trial of the long storm Light brightens, pure and pale And the horizon fills Not bearing swift release Not with quick feet of triumph But with tread august and solemn Following her dead Cometh at last our peace. Over thick graves grown green, over pale bones that graveless lie and bleach, over torn human hearts her path doth reach and heaven's dear pity lean. O angel sweet and grand, white-footed from beside the throne of God, thou movest with the palm and olive rod, and day bespreads the land. His day we waited for, with faces to the east, we prayed and fought, and a faint music of the dawning caught all through the sounds of war. Our souls are still with praise. It is the dawning. There is work to do. When we have borne the long hour's burden through, then we will pay ends raise. God give us, with the time, his strength for his large purpose to the world. 
to bear before him, in face unfurled, his gonfalon sublime. Ay, we are strong. Both sides the misty river stretch his army's wings. Heavenward, with glorious wheel, one flank he flings, and one front still abides. Strongest where most bereft, his great ones he doth call to more command, for whom he hath prepared it, they shall stand on the right hand and the left. Peace by Phoebe Carey O land, of every land the best, O land, whose glory shall increase, now in your whitest raiment dressed for the great festival of peace. Take from your flag its fold of gloom, and let it float undimmed above, till over all our vale shall bloom the sacred colors that we love. On mountain high, in valley low, set freedom's living fires to burn, until the midnight skies shall show a redder pathway than the morn. Welcome, with shouts of joy and pride, your veterans from the war-paths track. You gave your boys, untrained, untried, you bring them men and heroes back. And shed no tear, though think you must with sorrow of the martyred band, not even for him whose hallowed dust has made our prairies holy land. Though by the places where they fell, the places that are sacred ground, death, like a sudden sentinel, paces his everlasting round. Yet when they set their country free and gave her traitors fitting doom, they left her last great enemy baffled beside an empty tomb. Not there, but risen, redeemed. They go where all the paths are sweet with flowers. They fought to give us peace, and lo, they gained a better peace than ours. On May 24, 1865, the United Armies of Grant and Sherman, 200,000 strong, were reviewed at Washington by President Johnson and his cabinet. A Second Review of the Grand Army by Bret Hart May 24, 1865 I read last night of the Grand Review in Washington's chiefest avenue, Two hundred thousand men in blue, I think they said was the number. Till I seemed to hear their trampling feet, the bugle blast and the drum's quick beat, the clatter of hoofs on the stony street, the cheers of people who came to greet, and the thousand details that to repeat would only my verse encumber, till I fell in a reverie, sad and sweet, and then to a fitful slumber. When, lo, in a vision I seemed to stand in the lonely capital, on each hand far stretched the portico, dim and grand its columns ranged, like a martial band of sheeted specters, whom some command had called to a last reviewing. And the streets of the city were white and bare, no footfall echoed across the square, but out of the misty midnight air I heard in the distance a trumpet blare, and the wandering night winds seemed to bear the sound of a far tattooing. Then I held my breath with fear and dread, for into the square with a brazen tread 
there rode a figure whose stately head o'erlooked the review that morning that never bowed from its firm-set seat when the living column passed its feet yet now rode steadily up the street to the phantom bugle's warning till it reached the capitol square and wheeled and there in the moonlight stood revealed a well-known form that in state and field had led our patriot sires whose face was turned to the sleeping camp afar through the river's fog and damp that showed no flicker no warning lamp nor wasted bouviac fires and i saw a phantom army come with never a sound of fife or drum but keeping time to a throbbing hum of wailing and lamentation the martyred heroes of malvern hill of gettysburg and chancellorsville the men whose wasted figures fill the patriot graves of the nation and there came the nameless dead the men who perished in fever swamp and fen the slowly starved of the prison pen and marching beside the others came the dusky martyrs of pillows fight with limbs enfranchised and bearing bright i thought perhaps twas the pale moonlight they looked as white as their brothers and so all night marched the nation's dead with never a banner above them spread nor a badge nor a motto brandished no mark save the bare uncovered head of the silent bronze reviewer with never an arch save the vaulted sky with never a flower save those that lie on the distant graves for love could buy no gift that was purer or truer so all night long swept the strange array so all night long till the morning gray i watched for one who had passed away with a reverent awe and wonder till a blue cap waved in the lengthening line and i knew that one who was kin of mine had come and i spake and lo that sign awakened me from my slumber the work of disbandment began at once and the troops were sent home as rapidly as possible they lay by the musket took up the spade or hammer and returned once more to the occupations of peace when johnny comes marching home by patrick sarsfield gilmore when johnny comes marching home again hurrah hurrah we'll give him a hearty welcome then hurrah hurrah the men will cheer the boys will shout the ladies they will all turn out and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. The old church bell will peal with joy, hurrah, hurrah, to welcome home our darling boy, hurrah, hurrah. The village lads and lasses say, with roses they will strew the way, and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. Get ready for the jubilee, hurrah, hurrah, We'll give the hero three times three, hurrah, hurrah. The laurel wreath is ready now to place upon his loyal brow, and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. Let love and friendship on that day, hurrah, hurrah, their choicest treasures then display, hurrah, 
hurrah, and let each one perform some part to fill with joy the warrior's heart, and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. Driving Home the Cows by Kate Putnam Osgood Out of the clover and blue-eyed grass, he turned them into the river lane. One after another he let them pass, then fastened the meadow bars again. Under the willows and over the hill, he patiently followed their sober pace. The merry whistle for once was still, and something shadowed the sunny face. Only a boy, and his father had said he never could let his youngest go. Two already were lying dead under the feet of the trampling foe. But after the evening work was done, and the frogs were loud in the meadow swamp, over his shoulder he slung his gun, and stealthily followed the footpath damp. Across the clover and through the wheat, with resolute heart and purpose grim, though cold was the dew and hurrying his feet, and the blind bats flitting startled him. Thrice since then had the lanes been white, and the orchards sweet with apple bloom, and now, when the cows come back at night, the feeble father drove them home. For news had come to the lonely farm that three were lying where two had lain, and the old man's tremulous, palsied arm could never lean on a son's again. The summer grew cold and late. He went for the cows when the work was done. But down the lane, as he opened the gate, he saw them coming, one by one. Brindle! Ebony, Speckle, and Bess, shaking their horns in the evening wind, cropping the buttercups out of the grass. But who was it following close behind? Loosely swung in the idle air the empty sleeve of army blue, and worn and pale from the crisping hair looked out a face that the father knew. For southern prisons will sometimes yawn and yield their dead unto life again and the day that comes with a cloudy dawn in golden glory at last may wane. The great tears sprang to their meeting eyes, for the heart must speak when the lips are dumb, and under the silent evening skies, together they followed the cattle home. On July 21, 1865, services were held at Cambridge, Massachusetts, in commemoration of the 300th anniversary of Harvard College. Addresses were made by General Meade and General Devins, and an ode written for the occasion was read by James Russell Lowell. This ode, perhaps the greatest ever delivered in America, forms a fitting close to the history of the Civil War. Ode recited at the Harvard Commemoration by James Russell Lowell July 21st, 1865. 1. Weaked-winged is song, nor aims at that clear ethered height whither the brave deed climbs for light. We seem to do them wrong, bringing our robin's leaf to deck their hearse, who in warm life-blood wrote their nobler verse, our trivial song to honor those who come with ears attuned to strenuous trump and drum, and shaped in squadron strokes their desire. Live battle odes whose lines were steel and fire, yet sometimes feathered words are strong, 
a gracious memory to buoy up and save from Lee's dreamless ooze the common grave of the unventurous throng. 2. Today our reverend mother welcomes back her wisest scholars, those who understood the deeper teaching of her mystic tome, and offered their fresh lives to make it good. No lore of Greece or Rome, no science peddling with the names of things, or reading stars to find inglorious fates, can lift our life with wings far from death's idle gulf that for the many waits, and lengthen out our dates with that clear fame whose memory sings in manly hearts to come, and nerves them, and dilates. Nor such teaching, mother of us all, not such the trumpet call of thy diviner mood, that could thy sons entice from happy homes and toils the fruitless nest of those half-virtues which the world calls best, into war's tumult rude, but rather far that stern device the sponsors chose that round thy cradle stood in the dim, unventured wood, the veritas that lurks beneath the letter's unprolific sheath, life of whate'er makes life worth living, seed-grain of high enterprise, immortal food, one heavenly thing whereof earth hath the giving. 3. Many loved truth, and lavished life's best oil amid the dust of books to find her, content at last, for guerdon of their toil, with the cast mantle she hath left behind her. Many in sad faith sought for her, many with crossed hands sighed for her, but these, our brothers, fought for her, at life's dear peril wrought for her, so loved her that they died for her, testing the raptured fleetness of her divine completeness, their higher instinct knew those love her best who to themselves are true, and what they dare to dream of, dare to do. They followed her and found her where all may hope to find, not in the ashes of the burnt-out mind, but beautiful, with danger's sweetness round her, where faith made whole with deed breathes its awakening breath into the lifeless creed. They saw her plumed and mailed, with sweet, stern face unveiled, and all repaying eyes look proud on them in death. 4. Our slender life runs rippling by, and glides into the silent hollow of the past. What is there that abides to make the next age better for the last? Is earth too poor to give us something to live for here that shall outlive us? Some more substantial boon than such as flows and ebbs with fortune's fickle moon? The little that we see from doubt is never free. The little that we do is but half nobly true. With our laborious hiving what men call treasure and the gods call dross, life seems a jest of fate's contriving, only secure in everyone's conniving, a long account of nothing paid with loss, where we poor puppets, jerked by unseen wires, after our little hour of strut and rave, with all our pasteboard passions and desires, loves, hates, ambitions, 
and immortal fires are tossed pell-mell together in the grave. But stay, no age was e'er degenerate unless men held it at too cheap a rate, for in our likeness still we shape our fate. Ah, there is something here unfathomed by the cynic's sneer, something that gives our feeble light a high immunity from night, something that leaps life's narrow bars to claim its birthright with the host of heaven, a seed of sunshine that can leaven our earthly dullness with the beams of stars and glorify our clay with light from fountains elder than the day, a conscience more divine than we, a gladness fed with secret tears, a vexing, far-reaching sense of some more noble permanence, a light across the sea which haunts the soul and will not let it be, still beaconing from the heights of undegenerate years. 5. Whither leads the path to ampler fates that leads? Not down through flowery meads, to reap an aftermath of youth's vainglorious weeds, but up the steep, amid the wrath and shock of deadly hostile creeds, where the world's best hope and stay by battle's flashes gropes a desperate way, and every turf the fierce foot clings to bleeds. Peace hath her not ignoble wreath, ere yet the sharp, decisive word light the black lips of cannon and the sword dreams in its easeful sheath. But some day the live coal behind the thought, whether from Baal's stone obscene, or from the shrine serene, of God's pure altar brought, bursts up in flame. The war of tongue and pen learns with what deadly purpose it was fraught, and, helpless in the fiery passion caught, shakes all the pillared state with shock of men. Some day the soft ideal that we wooed confronts us fiercely, foe beset, pursued, and cries reproachful, Was it then my praise, and not myself was loved? Prove now thy truth. I claim of thee the promise of thy youth. Give me thy life, or cower in empty phrase, the victim of thy genius, not its mate. Life may be given in many ways, and loyalty to truth be sealed, as bravely in the closet as the field, so bountiful is fate. But then to stand beside her, when craven curls deride her, to front a lie in arms and not to yield, this shows, methink, God's plan and measure of a stalwart man, limbed like the old heroic breeds, who stands self-poised on manhood's solid earth, not forced to frame excuses from his birth, fed from within with all the strength he needs. 6. Such was he, our martyr chief, whom late the nation he had led with ashes on her head, wept with the passion of an angry grief. Forgive me, if from present things I turn to speak what in my heart will beat and burn, and hang my wreath on his world-honored urn. Nature, they say, doth dote, 
and cannot make a man save on some worn-out plan repeating us by rote for him her old world moulds aside she threw and choosing sweet clay from the breast of the unexhausted west with stuff untainted shaped a hero new wise steadfast in the strength of god and true how beautiful to see once more a shepherd of mankind indeed who loved his charge but never loved to lead one whose meek flock the people joyed to be not lured by any cheat of birth but by his clear-grained human worth and brave old wisdom of sincerity they knew that outward grace is dust they could not choose but trust in that sure-footed mind's unfaltering skill and supple-tempered will that bent like perfect steel to spring again and thrust he was no lonely mountain peak of mind thrusting to thin air o'er our cloudy bars a sea-mark now now lost in vapours blind broad prairie rather genial level-lined fruitful and friendly for all humankind yet also nigh to heaven and loved of loftiest stars nothing of europe here or then of europe fronting mournward still ere any names of serf and peer could nature's equal scheme deface and thwart her genial will here was a type of the true elder race and one of plutarch's men's talked with us face to face i praise him not it were too late and some innative weakness there must be in him who condescends to victory such as the present gives and cannot wait safe in himself as in a fate so always firmly he he knew to bide his time and can his fame abide still patient in his simple faith sublime till the wise years decide great captains with their guns and drums disturb our judgment for the hour but at last silence comes these are all gone and standing like a tower our children shall behold his fame the kindly earnest brave foreseeing man sagacious patient dreading praise not blame new birth of our new soil the first american seven long as man's hope insatiate can discern or only guess some more inspiring goal outside of self enduring as the pole along whose course the flying axles burn of spirits bravely pitched earth's manlier brood long as below we cannot find the mead that stills the inexorable mind so long this faith to some ideal good under whatever mortal names it masks freedom law country this ethereal mood that thanks the fates for their severe tasks feeling its challenged pulses leap while others skulk in subterfuges cheap and set in danger's van has all the boon it asks shall win man's praise and woman's love shall be a wisdom that we set above all other skills and gifts to culture dear a virtue round whose forehead we enwreathe laurels that with a living passion breathe when other crowns grow 
while we twine them, sear. What brings us thronging these high rites to pay, and seal these hours the noblest of our year, save that our brothers found this better way? 8. We sit here in the promised land, that flows with freedom's honey and milk, but twas they won it, sword in hand, making the nettle danger soft for us as silk. We welcome back our bravest and our best. Ah, me, not all. Some come not with the rest, who went forth brave and bright as any here. I strive to mix some gladness with my strain, but the sad strings complain and will not please the ear. I sweep them for a paean, but they wane again and yet again into a dirge and die away in pain. In these brave ranks I only see the gaps, thinking of dear ones whom the dumb turf wraps, dark to the triumph which they died to gain. Fitlier may others greet the living, for me the past is unforgiving. I with uncovered head salute the sacred dead, who went and who return not. Say not so, tis not the grapes of Canaan that repay, but the high faith that failed not by the way. Virtue treads paths that end not in the grave, no ban of endless night exiles the brave, and to the saner mind we rather seem the dead that stayed behind. Blow, trumpets, all your exultations blow, for never shall their aureoled presence lack. I see them muster in a gleaming row, with ever youthful brows that nobler show. We find in our dull road their shining track. In every nobler mood we feel the orient of their spirit glow, part of our life's unalterable good, of all our saintlier aspiration. They come transfigured back secure from change in their high-hearted ways, beautiful evermore, and with the rays of morn on their white shields of expectation. 9. But is there hope to save even this ethereal essence from the grave? Whatever scraped oblivion's subtle wrong, save a few clarion names or golden threads of song, before my musing eye, the mighty ones of old swept by. Disvoiced now, and insubstantial things, as noisy ones as we, poor ghosts of kings, shadows of empire wholly gone to dust, and many races, nameless long ago, to darkness driven by that imperious gust of ever-rushing time that here doth blow. O visionary world, Condition strange, where not abiding is but only change, where the deep bolted stars themselves still shift and range. Shall we to more continuance make pretense? Renown builds tombs, a life estate is wit, and bit by bit, the cunning years steal all from us but woe. Leaves are we, whose decay no harvests sow. But, when we vanish hence, 
Still they lie forceless in the dark below, Save to make green their little lengths of sods, Or deepen pansies for a year or two, Who now to us are shining sweet as gods. Was dying all they had the skill to do? That were not fruitless, but the soul resents such short-lived service, as if blind events ruled without her, or earth could so endure. She claims a more divine investiture of longer tenure than fame's airy rents. Whate'er she touches doth her nature share. Her inspiration haunts the ennobled air, gives eyes to mountains blind, ears to the deaf earth, voices to the wind and her clear triumph sings succor everywhere by lonely bouviacs to the wakeful mind. For soul inherits all that soul could dare. Yea, manhood hath a wider span and larger privilege of life than man. The single deed, the private sacrifice, so radiant now through proudly hidden tears, is covered up ere long from mortal eyes with thoughtless drift of the deciduous years. But that high privilege that makes all men peers, that leap of heart whereby all people rise up to a noble anger's height, and, flamed on by the fates, not shrink, but grow more bright, that swift validity in noble veins, of choosing danger and disdaining shame, of being set on flame by the pure fire that flies all contact base, but wraps its chosen with angelic might, these are imperishable gains, sure as the sun, medicinal as light. These hold great futures in their lusty reigns, and certify to earth a new imperial race. 10. Who now shall sneer? Who dare again to say we trace our lines to a plebeian race? Roundhead and Cavalier. Dumb are those names, erewhile in battle loud. Dream-footed as the shadow of a cloud, they flit across the ear. That is best blood that hath most iron in it. To edge resolve with, pouring without stint for what makes manhood dear. Tell us not of platagonets, Habsburgs, and gulfs, whose thin bloods crawl down from some victor in a border brawl, how poor their outworn coronets, matched with one leaf of that plain civic wreath our brave for honor's blazon shall bequeath, through whose desert a rescued nation sets her heel on treason, and the trumpet hears shout victory, tingling Europe's sullen ears with vain resentments and more vain regrets. 11. Not in anger, not in pride, Pure from passion's mixture, rude, ever to the base earth allied, but with far heard gratitude, still with heart and voice renewed, to heroes living and dear martyrs dead, the strain should close that consecrates our brave. Lift the heart and lift the head. Lofty be its mood and grave, not without a martial ring, not without a prouder tread and appeal of exultation. Little right has he to sing, through whose heart in such an hour beats no march of conscious power, sweeps no tumult of elation. Tis no man we celebrate, but his country's victories great, 
a hero half and half the whim of fate, but the pith and marrow of a nation drawing force from all her men, highest, humblest, weakest, all, for her time of need, and then pulsing it again through them, till the basest can no longer cower. Feeling his soul spring up divinely tall, touched but in passing by her mantle hem. Come back, then, noble pride, for tis her dower. How could poet ever tower if his passions, hopes, and fears, if his triumphs and his tears kept not measure with his people? Boom, cannon, boom to all the winds and waves. Clash out, glad bells, from every rocking steeple. Banners advance with triumph, bend your staves, and from every mountain peak let beacon fire to answering beacon speak. Katadintel Manadnock, white face he, and so leap on in light from sea to sea, till the glad news be sent across a kindling continent, making earth feel more firm and air breathe braver. Be proud, for she is saved, and all have helped to save her. She that lifts up the manhood of the poor, she of the open soul and open door, with room about her hearth for all mankind. The fire is dreadful in her eyes no more. From her bold front the helm she doth unbind, sends all her handmade armies back to spin, and bids her navvies, that so lately hurled their crashing battle, hold their thunders in. Swimming like birds of calm along the unharmful shore, no challenge sends she to the elder world that looked askance and hated. A light scorn plays o'er her mouth as round her mighty knees she calls her children back and waits the morn of nobler day enthroned between her subject seas. 12. Bow down, dear land, for thou hast found release. Thy God in these distempered days hath taught thee the sure wisdom of his ways, and through thine enemies hath wrought thy peace. Bow down in prayer and praise, no poorest in thy borders, but may now lift to the juster skies a man's enfranchised brow. O beautiful, my country, ours once more, smoothing thy gold of war-disheveled hair o'er such sweet brows as never other war, and letting thy set lips, freed from Raz's pale eclipse, the rosy edges of their smile lay bare. What words divine of lover or of poet could tell our love and make thee know it? Among the nations bright and beyond compare, what were our lives without thee? What all our lives to save thee? We reck not what we gave thee, we will not dare to doubt thee, but ask whatever else, and we will dare. End of chapter 13 And end of Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War, by various authors.